I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, a 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Tune in each and every week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And you can now call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508 444 2120. That's 508 444 2120. And Rumble, you can rumble us on the Rumble Cam if you go to the rumble.com. But our at is at Rapid Fire Radio on all of the usual suspects as far as social media is concerned. And we're also at Cape Gunworks. So we have an e commerce site, uh, capegunworks.com. So you can check that out. But if you're on social media, we provide content to at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio. Oftentimes they're the same, but many times they're not. So it's worth liking, subscribing, sharing, commenting, and spreading the message both far and wide to friends, neighbors, enemies, relatives, and loved ones about our content. Because it's important to get out there and talk about... The Second Amendment in this day and age, which is a hostile environment, if you are not on the right side of the the conversation, which, as it relates to guns, is freedom. So that is the right side of history to be on, freedom, and the side that it is not an 18th century holdover, as Maura Healy likes to call it. It is, in fact, more relevant today than ever in the history of mankind when people devise ways of committing evil upon you. A gun is a great tool, or as some people have said throughout history, the great equalizer, and it is what makes all men honest and equal. (laughs) I think there was some uh, saying that Colt had uh, that not all all men are created equal, and uh, Colt ensures it or something like that. But I forget the original quote. But anyway, the point is, what helps a elderly lady defend herself against a much bigger, more violent attacker? A firearm, if she knows how to properly use it. So there you go. Oh, it was... Uh, Texas Ranger walked into Samuel Colt's shop and said, make me a six-shooter. And as the old saying goes, God created men equal, Colonel Colt made them equal. Uh, Samuel Colt accepted an order for a 1,000 revolvers for Captain Samuel Walker of the Texas Rangers on this day in 1847. It was January 4th, 1847. And I think the Texas Rangers carried like, single action armies up until like the 80s if I'm not mistaken they carried the single action army for a long period of time I don't know if it was always on 
you know, if, if it was the issued gun or if it was carried that way based on personal preference. But anyway, uh, Samuel Colt certainly had a big hand in making men equal uh, that way. Um, you know, no matter how much bigger your attacker is, I promise you one thing, he's not tough enough to take bullets. And uh, so there you have it. It is at the most basic of uh, thoughts. The firearm is a great tool for for protecting yourself against hostile um violent people who want to commit murder and mayhem. Uh, So that's all it is. It's a tool like any other object. It's inanimate on its own. A person needs to touch it, learn it, and become proficient at it in order to make that tool work for them. Uh, But we, we agree, I think most of the listeners on this show agree that that is what makes man equal if they are proficient with it. Um, obviously, you know, there's a lot that can be done with a firearm besides self-defense, but that is the most basic human right is self-defense. And that doesn't stop at just some psychopathic evil person. It also uh, was put into our constitution because of tyranny. And so they acknowledge that this right comes from God and we have the right to keep and bear arms, not just keep in the house for self-defense against someone who might invade, but to bear them, walk about society with them, be have them be present with us in our day-to-day activities. In fact, one blue law that was on the books going way back was you had to take your gun to church on Sunday mornings. When you walked to church, if you were caught without your gun, you could be levied a fine. Uh, So, you know, it was so important in our nation's foundation that they put it as the second of all the amendments that were ratified in 1791. So anyway, uh, quick little history lesson, but there you go. Uh, Tell us what you think. Call the Rapid Fire Line 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120 if you want to be a part of the show. Or you can... uh, Text us at that same number. And this week's winner on the vintage box of China North Industries Norinco 223 ammunition. It's a brass cased, Burdan Prime, uh, excuse me, boxer primed, fully reloadable um, ammunition made in the People's Republic of China by Norinco is Pat S. Pat, you are this week's winner. So you want to. Be uh, on the lookout for an email from us, and we're giving away a pistol class. We have brand new pistol class offerings, so go to rapidfireradio.us and sign up and win. You could be the winner for next week's uh, Rapid Fire winner, and it's a pistol class. So go to rapidfireradio.us, scroll down, and enter the contest, and we will pull the winner next week. And as many of you often do... Some of you have been become very shrewd at taking full advantage of the rapid fire code, and this week's code is Pepperbox. So uh, that's a nice little toss back to the Samuel Colt era. There were some uh, cool revolvers called Pepperbox. Uh, 
uh, that, you know, were kind of neat. And, and they took on a, a quite a bit of different iterations, the Pepper Box did. But anyway, all the way back to the percussion era. So check those out. Um, but the, the chat is firing. Uh, we have a great guest for the second hour of the show. You don't want to miss it. We'll be talking with uh, Andrew Arabito from Half Face Blades. He's awesome. And uh, you gotta you got to check out that on the second hour. And uh, we're going to be taking your questions. As always, we had a good uh, talk with Grace Curley today. We had a bunch of questions. Today is also, and if you're hearing this on the radio, it's not the day. It was during the week when we recorded this live. But it is the first day... Um, in which the pistol brace rule, final rule, goes into effect. So in other words, the amnesty period starts today. If you're going to choose to comply and register your braced pistol as an SBR, you have, I think, 180 days, if I'm not mistaken, or 160 days uh, in order to get that um, that done. And the ATF had a kind of question and answer forum on this today said they're working with the ATF, uh, excuse me, with the FBI about the enforcement of the, uh, if they can't process the form within the required 88 days or can't process the background check. They're working with the uh, FBI to, to on open applications. So uh, hopefully they don't descend upon your house and shoot the dog. If it's been over 88 days before the application has been heard, but we'll talk more about this on the other side. I know a lot of you have questions, so, uh, you know, that's an important subject to cover. Uh, but February brings us exciting new classes. We have Pistol 1 is our basic class. Pistol 2 continues to build on your basic skills. Pistol 3 is drawing from the holster, and Pistol 4 is where the rubber meets the road. Put it all together in a defensive uh, class that works well with what your body does naturally under stress. So go to capegunworks.com and check out the calendar for these new classes on Monday. And in one month, you could go from never having fired a gun to being proficient with your firearm. More after this. This is Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. Our phone number, if you want to be on the show, is 508-444-2120, or 
you can give us a text at 508-444-2120. And the poll of the day, if you head over to rapidfireradio.us, scroll down, take part in our poll, is do you think that the ATF pistol uh, final rule will be overturned or upheld by the courts? So I know there's lots of legal challenges in the court system to the ATF uh, pistol brace final rule that has come out. And will it be overturned or upheld? It's a very simple question. Uh, you can go over to rapidfireradio.us to vote in the poll or go to Twitter, all one word, rapidfireradio, and vote. Make your voice heard. So there you have it. Um, and don't forget this week's discount code for the entire website on capegunworks.com is Pepperbox. So I know a lot of you want to get that out of the way and figure out what that code is. And there you have it. So I'm going to go over to Twitter right now and see if I can see where we are on the poll. Um, and if you haven't liked and subscribed and you know commented and shared it yet on any of our social media sites, please do. Uh, because it'll help defeat the evil algorithms that try to keep us down. And uh, there is an active uh, press right now, especially in YouTube, um, to get... Uh, I don't even see us on Twitter anymore. What happened? Rapid Fire Radio, all one word. Unless I lost internet. No, I, I didn't lose internet. Anyway, uh, check it out, and um, you'll be able to see... Uh, what's going on um, over there at all of our social media sites. So, yeah, I think my computer's down. Anyway, uh, the chat is on fire today, so I'm going to I'm gonna start answering questions because um, I want to I, I wanna leave plenty of time. Uh, we showed at the Marlboro Sportsman Show this past weekend, or the Gun and Knife Show, I should say, and we're going to, I think we're going to take that seriously and start to take the show on the road. We never used to do it because we didn't have enough staff or inventory to be in two places at once. And now that we kind of do, I think it's really advantageous to get out there in the community and start to see some people. And I can't tell you how many people came by the booth and were like, hey, I hear you on the radio or I recognize that voice. Like they didn't know what I look like, but they heard me talking and, and, uh, I think that was a good uh, bump, if you will, for Grace Curley. I texted her after today uh, being on her show and said, hey, you're not going to believe how many gun owners listen to your show every day. And they all say they hear me on your show. So that's really cool. And, uh, you know, but I, I thought it was really neat to see people who hear us all the time, have never been to our shop, and get out and stretch our legs and uh, see the rest of the gun owners in Massachusetts. So I think we're going to do the Wilmington show for sure. And we're thinking about doing the Big E in Springfield. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, and if those are successful, maybe we'll, maybe we'll put on a, uh, we'll, we'll hit the road and do a real road show and do like Pennsylvania and Florida. Who, who knows where this could lead as long as it <laughs> leads to, uh, you know, bright faces and promising results. I'm, I'm in. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool to meet a bunch of people who have heard us and never been down before, never been to the to the shop and whatnot. And so that was good. Uh, I got accused of being uh, Tony Hawk again 
couple of times, which was pretty funny. And I said, no, uh, I'm not the man. Um, I used to skateboard and I do look like him, but uh, I can't take credit for that. I wish, I wish I had, you know, made it as far as he did in skateboard world, but I wouldn't be here today with you guys if I had. So life works out. Um, all right, let's get to the chat. Uh, I know we're going to talk about the pistol brace, but I just wanted to um, real quick touch on a couple things um, before we do. And um, we have one question. Uh, JF says, can we purchase a stripped AR lower on GunBroker for mass compliant build? Um, technically, yes. Um, practically not at our shop. We don't do just regular AR-15 lowers, even though I know I'm fully within my legal limits to do it because I know 95% of the people that buy a stripped lower are just going to build an AR-15 out of it. And I wouldn't want to put someone in a position to be um, in trouble should the... uh, Massachusetts legal authorities decide to crack down on you. And I don't think that it's good on my part to put you in a position to fail. So I could sit here and tell you all day long and make you sign an affidavit that I don't know if you can legally put this all together. But if you put together a traditional, you know, regular AR-15, I don't, you know, I don't know where that leaves you legally. So I don't want to put you in that position. I know there's tons of people that sell lowers and they are legally able to do that. We are too. I'm not necessarily afraid of Maura Healy's enforcement notice against me for selling AR lowers. I'm more worried about where does that put my customer legally if they decide to build it into a gun Um, and some cop or someone decides to, you know, decides to challenge that. So with all that being said, we personally do not. There are gun shops that do it. And um, anyway, so you'll have to, you'll have to uh, unfortunately go through us. If, if there's a specific lower you want, we can build you a fixed mag lower and then do the transfer that way or find a shop that will do the <laughs> transfer for you. I wish I could be that shop for you, but I can't in good conscience. So therefore, um, we don't. So um, there you go. Um, I was talking about off the air, kind of in the pre-roll up to the show, how I was surprised that the Marlboro Gun Show was a quote-unquote gun-free zone. Besides all the guns on the table, uh, they asked that nobody carry a concealed weapon loaded. And uh, I'm like, man, oh, man, this is ridiculous. But uh, there you have it. It's one of those things, Um, you know, it's kind of like NRA convention is also a gun-free zone. <laughs> they don't want people carrying guns. It's like, this is, this is ridiculous. But um, anyway, uh, so let's see. Um, no loaded weapons at the Springfield show either, Mike is saying. Uh, and he says, by the way, does David Linsky always draw the short straw and has to introduce a ridiculous new proposed gun law every year? Um I don't think he draws the short straw. I think he volunteers and he is uh, raising his hand. He relishes the chance to break his oath of office and violate your Second Amendment 
rights, your constitutional civil rights as an American or as a permanent resident alien. And I think he loves it, but uh, he does it every year. Cynthia Cream is another one. Um, It's kind of like round up the usual suspects. You know, as soon as the new session of Congress is introduced and sworn in, there's going to be this avalanche of gun bills, which does worry me a little bit now that Maura Healey is um, governor, because she's calling for more gun control. She said it uh, just recently, actually. Uh, She started a year ago um, in January 25th when she said um, politics as usual in Washington has been devastating for the victims of gun violence and their families. I am tired of half steps, old ideas. Oh, this isn't Maura Healey. Excuse me. This is uh, Liz Riordan, um, who was uh, a... Um, she was a Democratic candidate for U.S. Senate, uh, so I apologize. I've I attributed this earlier to uh, Maura Healey, but um, anyway, uh, she called for a repeal of the of the uh, Second Amendment, and uh, she's a Boston-based labor attorney and advocate for repealing the next uh, the Second Amendment, which is basically what. Um, David Linsky is is calling for. He's saying uh, that, uh, you know, he wants to ban all semi-automatic weapons. And Grace Curley brought up a good point in the in her show. She uh, talked about this stroll that Gavin Newsom was doing in California where he's talking about more and more gun control. And then all of a sudden he says, but I support a Second Amendment, you know, people's Second Amendment and their right to keep and bear arms. No, you don't. If you want to ban their guns, you don't support it. That's just the the soundbite he's hoping that he won't get hammered when he runs for higher office. And people will say, oh, yeah, he's a Second Amendment supporter. But all of these politicians that want to ban firearms, they all have one thing in mind. And that is, yeah, they support your right to own a single shot, 12-gauge shotgun so you can shoot ducks but they don't support you to have a gun for self-defense. They're the Justin Trudeaus of gun ownership. And they are basically saying like, hey, nobody has a right to defend their life with a firearm. Um, That's basically what they're saying. And uh, the people who often need firearms most are the ones who are in highly restrictive areas. And uh, we talked about that at length with Phil Smith from NAGA, the... uh, National African American Gun Owners Association. So uh, you got to check them out, uh, if you will, and check out the interview we had last week with him. So anyway, um, the bottom line is these politicians that are calling for gun control, their ultimate goal is total disarmament. Let you know, a lot of them aren't even hiding that fact. They're now saying, "Oh, we need to defeat the Second Amendment, et cetera, et cetera." So. Anyway, that's uh, that's the way I see it. But um, from the chat line, we s- says, uh, can I discuss the latest news regarding the Massachusetts Firearms Record Bureau posting public links to extensive data covering every recorded gun transaction in Massachusetts going back nearly 20 years? Gold broke this news last week. Yes, so um, this is something that uh, anti-gun people love to do, and it's basically docks gun owners in their state. It happened in California where they actually put names and addresses to people. In this state, it was a little more cryptic 
they put basically your PIN number out there and by town. So if someone really wanted to find out, they could figure out who it was that it it touched. But um, the bottom line is they want to make people feel bad for being firearms owners and they want to put the information out there on the web so people who have nefarious intentions could maybe come and take your gun or use it against you or or, or whatever the case is but the bottom line is they were kind of smacked around a little bit and they said sorry even though they did it on purpose and they changed the way they released the data but anyway we'll talk more about that if we have time if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license we have regularly scheduled ltc classes each and every week including ladies only classes and couples classes so sign up at capegunworks.com this is toby leary and you're listening to rapid fire we'll be right back this is the voltec vt10i it's your travel buddy so it goes where you go to your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com. And find us online at facebook.com slash safe. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. Uh, glad you're here with us every week and don't forget to go over to our poll on either twitter rapid fire radio that's our at at twitter um and or our website rapidfireradio.us scroll down and uh vote today's poll question is do you think the atf pistol brace final ruling will be overturned or upheld by the courts so as of right now, 100% of you think it will be overturned. Nobody thinks it will be upheld by the courts. And that's a good good call based on the Bruin era that we live in. Um, my only concern is that it'll be a hybridization of the two. Like they'll uphold certain area aspects of it or whatever. But, uh, you know, who knows? At this point, the federal court system is a dumpster fire. Uh, I know that in New York, the uh, uh, there was a case that just got upheld, um, whether I think it was in the uh, CCID, the Concealed Carry Improvement Act, the CCIA, excuse me, the Concealed Carry Improvement Act. And um, also there was another federal case that has been to court twice but never got ruled on. It was found 
to not have standing in Florida. Then it went up to South Dakota, and they said there's no um, basically uh, venue. And so it ended up in the Eastern District of New York, where they upheld that a forced reset trigger by rare breed and by wide open trigger uh, by the Big Daddy Unlimited one are both considered machine guns. So they are, they upheld that they were machine guns and they uh, put in a temporary restraining order against both companies selling them. They had already seized thousands of parts and triggers from uh their headquarters, and now the court has agreed that they view it as a machine gun, even though it doesn't meet the definition of machine gun. Um, so there's a lot more work to be had there or to be done there. Uh, they think that it will end up with a preliminary injunction pending a higher court ruling on it or you know appeals or whatever. So anyway, that's something to think about. Um, that the federal court system is going to be this divided house that can't stand against itself right now. And ultimately, I think uh, the Supreme Court is going to have to make a big decision in some of these cases, and they can't continue to defer or punt because it ends up with split circuit court decisions. And this was kind of the thing that I was a little disappointed in over the Bruin decision, after the Bruin decision. I think the Bruin decision was beautiful and well-written and awesome. Um, But I think that all the cases that they GVR, they granted cert, they uh, vacated the lower court's decisions and remanded them back to the lower courts was going to create this problem. If they had just ruled on them, they had granted and then ruled C. Bruin, uh, you know, this is now vacated because of Bru- the Bruin decision that we just voted on and kind of made rulings on all of these cases, it would have become crystal clear instead of sending them back to the lower courts, which then uh, the circuit courts sent them back to the uh, the district courts to redo the whole thing. So it's like the whole process repeated itself. And some courts got in lines. Others just, you know, basically went through the process again. Uh, You saw it in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in California with all the the assault weapons ban, the magazine capacity ban uh, from the St. Benitez there, the uh, Robert J. Benitez of um, the District Court in California who ruled that their assault weapons ban and magazine capacity ban were unconstitutional. So because of that, they, um, you know, it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. They GVR'd it, and then it went back down to the Ninth Circuit and then back down to the District Court. And he said, yep, I haven't changed my mind. It's still unconstitutional, so they're back up to the Circuit Court. So now the, the question is, will they rule on it or will they just let it languish? And hopefully the Supreme Court forces them to rule on it in line with the Bruin decision. And I've read articles about, you know, Maura Healy saying how that the ruling, the Bruin decision was a horrible ruling. You know, she obviously doesn't want to see the Second Amendment restored back to what it was when it was ratified in 1791. Um, they, they feel that it is a, you know, horrible 
ruling that came down in June, whereas the other side of the equation, the people that are freedom-loving uh, gun owners, are finally like cheering. We have something to cheer about, finally, and that is that our rights are being restored. And the funny thing is the media narrative on this was, oh my gosh, they're granting new, the courts are granting new rights. No, nope, nope, not at all, not even a little bit. The courts are definitely not granting new rights. If you don't think that our rights have been eroded since 1791, you are a terrible historian. You're bad at reading history. And it wasn't that long ago that you could order guns through the mail and have them delivered to your house. You could go down to the local hardware store and pull a Millsurp rifle out of a bucket at the checkout counter, put it down on the counter and hand them a $5 bill and walk out the door. That's how it was. And so if you, you know, look at all the hoops you have to jump through now in order to purchase a firearm, uh, you'll see that our rights have gone a long way down in the wrong direction of infringement since 1791. Uh, from the text line, good evening, Mr. Leary. Oh, wow. I deserve a pay raise. He's calling me Mr. Mr. Leary. Uh, I appreciate that, but by all means, call me Toby. I just happened to catch you talking about pistol caliber carbines on my way home from work, and I've been holding off buying a Henry chambered in three fifty seven because I cannot find the ammo anywhere for the past few years. Do you know if there are any changes in that cartridge availability coming soon? We have been able to get three fifty seven and thirty eight special, which that gun will shoot both. Um, so I would say... Don't hold off. Go ahead and buy it. You can get enough ammo to keep it running. And uh, there are changes coming. So the one blessing for the consumer of this inflationary recession that we're in is the fact that people will purchase less because it hits them in the wallet, right? So that should drive price down. And it also should make it more available. So one of the big things, we had the perfect storm happening that caused the ammo shortages. We had civil unrest. We had an election year. We had proposed gun control. We had um, lockdowns. We had a pandemic. And we had um, 15 million new shooters hit the market all at once. So... That made for an impossibility. Oh, not to mention the supply chain was broken. So that made it like impossible to get ammunition. Um, and they were focusing on the most popular cartridges and calibers. Uh, one of my reps joked, anything that starts with a three is almost impossible. So 38, 357, 30, 30, 30 odd six for a while. Um, so those were tough to find, right? But now... You're seeing more and more of it. And I think it's we're entering a time, and I don't want to jinx us here because I, I hope we can continue with some availability of product. Um, but what, there is a lot on the horizon that could potentially screw things up. Namely, uh, civil unrest is rearing its ugly head again. We're having those largely peaceful protests starting to happen again. Um, and... You know, cities are starting to burn again, which is not a good sign. Um, and 
we have a huge push for gun control on the national and local level, no matter what state you're in. It's being pushed in lots of different states, Colorado, uh, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts is chattering about it. Um, we've seen it in Oregon. We've seen it in um, you know, Michigan, a lot of other states as well. Uh, and at the same time, we've seen freedom expand in other states. Uh, Florida just announced they're going to try to become the 26th constitutional carry state. That'll be cool. We'll be over the hump, if you will. Uh, so, you know, I talked about this a little bit uh, on the radio yesterday with a uh, local radio station. And um, basically, when I first became a gun owner in 93, there was one constitutional carry state in the country, Vermont. And as they started the debate of constitutional carry, people would, the fear mongers would say, there's going to be gunfights in the middle of the street at high noon. We're going to go back to Tombstone, Arizona. We're going to have, you know, people calling each other out and, and gunning each other down in the middle of the street. Little traffic you know, disputes are going to end in blood and violence and blood will be flowing down the streets of our cities. If you allow constitutional carry, you have to put roadblocks. You have to make sure that law abiding, responsible people can't just walk in and buy a gun. They got to be, they got to ask permission, buy a permit and go through background checks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what? We're 25 states in and the bloody rivers in our streets have not happened. So therefore, it's a good idea to continue all the way to 50 states and restore people's rights. What say you? Give me a call, 508-444-2120. The pepper spray class is back. This class is for people that don't want the blood running in the streets. They want an alternative to lethal defense, a class where you actually dispense water-based practice units and you will learn all the facets of non-lethal defense. Go to capegunworks.com and click on the classes to sign up. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Carrying a firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. 
tell me what you think about this show. You can call or text 508-444-2120. Don't forget, Pat S. is the winner of the Norinco 223 Remington kind of vintage case of ammo, uh, box of ammo. Pretty cool stuff. It'll be awesome on the bookshelf or for the collection. And we are giving away a pistol class, one of our brand new pistol classes. If you go to rapidfireradio.us to sign up and win, go to rapidfireradio.us, scroll down a bit, enter the contest. We'll pull the winner for next week's show. And don't forget, this week's code, it's our rapid fire secret squirrel code, is Pepperbox. That'll get you a great savings on your entire order at capegunworks.com. If you want anything, go ahead and do it and put in Pepperbox in the discount code box and get special savings. All right. It's one of my favorite times of the show. It is gun of the week. And this isn't just because I'm trying to sell you a gun. In fact, uh, in a lot of cases, um, it's resulted in a few sales, but that isn't the whole point of it. It's just guns we love and it's guns that we think you should have. And if you don't, you know, you can at least set a goal to aspire to get one. But This is one of the hands-down most popular guns in the history of our company. It is not even close, to be honest with you. I'd say as far as full-size handguns are concerned, it is the reigning and defending champion. It is the HK VP9, and it is a phenomenal gun. Uh, Striker-fired, ambidextrous, mag-release, and slide stop. A lot of them stop short of the slide stop being ambi. This one is an ambi slide stop. So for those of you who are wrong-handed, you can use your left hand thumb to lock the slide back, uh, which is nice. You don't have to awkwardly try to manipulate your your finger to work the slide stop, which never really works without completely changing your grip. But anyway, let's get back to the gun. So this is probably one of the most ergonomic designs made. It has three side panels for each side of the gun, small, medium, and large. And it has a large, small, medium, and large back strap for the gun. So this gun, I think someone figured out it's 27 different grip combinations you could possibly come up with. And ergonomically it feels really good right out of the box they have the medium side panels and back strap on it right out of the box but you could put the small or the large and you can mix and match Um, so anyway ergonomically it feels i used to use the terminology as a sales tactic for this gun which it sells itself but i said when you grip this gun it feels like putting on an old broken in leather glove that's just the way it feels so anyway the vp9 is a great gun Uh, They're making it optics ready now. They're making it long slide. They're making it in color ways. But this week's uh, rapid fire gun of the week is the good old fashioned uh, all black VP9 standard sights. It has a phosphorescent bright green dot front sight and a blacked out rear sight, which has a nice hook on it. So you can actually rack the, the gun off your belt from the sight, the rear sight, which is really important since they put this chamfer or bevel on the ejection port, which is a secondary way of racking your gun if you don't have a good rear sight on the gun. Um, and this one makes it very difficult because of that beveled ejection port, but the rear sight works great, by the way. So anyway, this gun ergonomically is one of the best in the business. Uh, it has an optics, uh, excuse me, uh, an accessory rail, 
uh, in front of the trigger guard. It has ambi uh, mag release, which is a downward lever instead of a button on the side of the gun. They do make a button release one, but this is the downward lever one. So you got to check it out at capegunworks.com, uh, add it to the cart, and then use GOW at checkout to get a very special savings off it. But it's by far the most popular full-size handgun we've ever offered in our shop, and you could get it too. So go to rapidfireradio.us, scroll down till you see the gun of the week, and use GOW at checkout. We will be right back. I'm Toby Leary, and this is Rapid Fire. The ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's federal ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. back to Rapid Fire. The phone number is 508-444-2120 if you want to be on the line with me or send me a text. 508-444-2120. The poll of the day is do you think the ATF pistol brace final rule will be overturned or upheld by the courts? Uh, You can vote upheld or overturned and currently it's 85% think it'll be overturned. And 15% of you think it will be upheld. So um, you got six days left to vote. So go ahead and go to rapidfireradio.us, scroll down, vote in the poll, or go to Twitter and type in rapidfireradio, all one word, and like, subscribe, share, comment, and spread the message far and wide, wherever you find us on social media. So um, this week's discount code is PEPPERBOX, so you guys can use that. Uh, Vinny says... The VP9 was his very first pistol, and he bought it at Cape Gunworks, so that's kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, it's it's almost an unfair advantage they have over other companies, and especially as we rent it on the wall of our range rental. A lot of people will uh, go in and shoot it, and they're like, I want a VP9. And when we couldn't get them, it was really frustrating because we'd have a rack full of other guns for sale, and we couldn't get the VP9 at the time, and everyone wanted it. And So anyway... Um, all right, let's see here. Let's get to the chat. Um, uh, they usually have a trash barrel full of sand so that you can point your muzzle into it while you're unloading and then they'll run a zip tie or something through your slide. Uh, KP's talking about the gun shows here. So yeah, that's, um, that's the, uh, the procedure as you walk in, I guess they don't like loaded guns and gun shows. So, um, I find that extremely ironic. Speaking of irony, uh, one of the guns that got handled more than any at the show was the Australian SAP. We have this, it's made by Australian Automatic Arms Corporation, and it's the SAP pistol. So it's loosely designed on the BRN-180. Um, a lot of people call it an AR pistol, but it's really not. It's more like the BRN-180, but it's um, or the AR-180. Um the neat thing about it, and I said, this gun drips with irony because it's made in Australia, imported through California, and it's currently in Massachusetts. So it is the pre-ban 
of pre-bands and it has it's almost the holy trinity of of irony as far as a uh pistol is concerned so uh pretty neat gun we have one in stock and it it got more i couldn't believe how many people had never even heard of the gun or even seen one and here they were holding it and playing with it at the at the Marlboro gun show so um anyway that's something that i found was pretty pretty cool so let's see uh any good AR alternatives for mass residents, JFS says? Yes. Um, I think the favorite, my favorite, was last week's rapid-fire gun of the week, the Robinson Armament XCRL. And um, they also make an M pattern design, which is the the M pattern is like 308, 65 Creedmoor, 243 Winchester, and um, also uh, 65 yeah, I said 6.5 Creedmoor and 260 Remington. That's the other one. Um, but the L pattern is 5.56 five, or 223 Wild more specifically, which is my favorite chambering because it'll shoot 5.56 five, and 223 in a match grade chambering. Um, and then they also offer it in 7.62 by 39, 300 Blackout, 6.5 Grendel. And all of those are simple barrel and bolt face changes. You just take one screw out of the bottom, pull the barrel out, put the new one in, and change out your bolt face, and you're good to go. Uh, you don't need to do anything else with the gun. So they make awesome caliber conversions. But the Robinson Armament XCRL is a phenomenal gun. It's super hard to get. I think I have two left if you're if anyone's interested in one. I have a green and a black one, and they sold pretty quick. But we did just get the reigning defending champion of the AR alternatives in this uh, state is the SIG MCX. And I just got a pile of those. So if you want one of those, I would act quickly. They do not last. I have them in 5.56 and 7.62 by 39. Um, But I got a whole bunch of them in and they just fly off the shelf. So that is a really good AR alternative because... All of the controls are in the exact same spot as an AR. So if you want a gun that's true to the um, operation of a AR-15, but it's still a different gun so we can sell it in mass, then I'd go with the SIG MCX. Um, so those are a couple for you to look at, JFS, and uh, hopefully one of them will strike your fancy. They're about the same price. Um, and you can get into a cheaper alternative if you go to like a Mini-14 and uh, stuff like that, but it's not as good of a gun, in my opinion. Um, they're definitely not as accurate uh, and as modifiable, if you will. So, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, somebody asked what the budget was <laughs> on that question, but both of those are in the twenty-three to twenty-four hundred dollar range. You can get an AR-15 pre-band too, which is going to bump up around twenty-eight, twenty-nine hundred bucks for sure. Um, so Anne-Marie can't find where to enter. Uh, it's at rapidfireradio.us and just scroll down. You'll be able to enter that contest, Anne-Marie. So there you go. Um, I want a 1911 and 45 Winchester Magnum. Unfortunately, that model was discontinued. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to find. 500, um, you'll, you'll have to search far and wide for that. There was some really cool offerings in, in the 1911 platforms, Um, There was a company called Brolin Arms, I think, at one point. Um, And there was another company, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, that someone might be able to help me in the chat, but made a 38 Special 
uh, Coogan, that's who it was, Coonan, I think it was Coonan Arms, um, made a 38 Special 1911. Interesting, if you think about it. Um, so anyway, our pistol ARs legal in mass. Never really got an answer from any of the gun stores I went to. They are only legal if they are true pre-ban. So in other words, they are they existed prior to 94 in the state uh, or existed prior to 94 yeah, in the state and or if you build a fixed mag AR lower. That's the only way to do it if it's a fixed mag. So you buy a stripped fixed mag uh, virgin lower then you can build it into an AR pistol. But it's going to have a fixed magazine, and now you can't have the pistol brace unless you are going to defy the ATF on that. So um, Skilled says if you SBR it, but I disagree with that. Uh, Based on what I heard from the ATF today, just a regular pistol buffer tube um, or even a M4 buffer is not going to be considered a rifle because there's not enough surface area to shoulder it. However, there's other ramifications that go into that. They call it the, um, there's a factoring criteria. So in other words, if you have a low power variable optic and a thermal on it uh, and you just have an M4 buffer on it, they're probably going to call that an SBR because you have to shoulder fire it to get your eye relief correct and all that extra weight with like a thermal and stuff like that. You have to be looking through it. But I think if you have just like a red dot sight on it and uh, no bu- no pistol brace or stock, then it's considered a pistol if you built it originally that way. So it's clear as mud and they're going to trip up a lot of people. And I'm, I, I just say hide the dogs, man. That's all I can say is hide the dogs. Um, our, so that's the way I see it. But um, I don't know. Uh, so someone's saying, so the brace doesn't really matter in mass, does it? Yeah, it, it does matter in mass. Unfortunately, uh, I don't see how it doesn't matter. Um, I don't think they call out whether or not it's semi-automatic or not, um, or if it's um, a fixed mag or detachable mag or not. So it, they're really talking about it as far as a uh, uh you know, whether or not you're shoulder firing it or not. Because technically, like a single-shot rifle, if you cut the barrel under 16 inches, you just made a short-barreled rifle, and that's subject to the NFA. And we already talked about on this show that guy Mejia down in um, Florida who put a stock on his CZ Scorpion Evo pistol, and he did two over two-plus years, or almost two years, I think it was 21 months in federal penitentiary for breaking that law and creating an illegal SBR and not paying the $200 tax. So it's just ridiculous. But anyway, um, guys, I love talking to you. There's so many more questions we didn't get to today. Um, I'll try to type into the chat. uh, But we got a great guest coming up for you on the next hour. Andrew Arabito from Half Face Blades. He's a Navy SEAL. You don't want to miss this interview. Um, he's a great dude. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. You can always listen to past episodes, or uh, if you can't listen live, you can always podcast it. So go to rapidfireradio.us, go to capegunworks.com and get signed up. You can find it all wherever you get your podcast. 
you can call or leave us a message 508-444-2120 so go to rapidfireradio.us and ask questions and check out some of our online content freedom will always be on the right side of history stay tuned we'll see you on the other side i'm toby leary we'll be right back May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Once you're involved in something like this, the stress level... It can tear up a family. He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. 50-year-old Ford employee Billy Cohort was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016. To have everything you worked for taken away. Cohort was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford, where he'd worked for nearly two decades. To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back, and then they put me in touch with a great attorney. That was the best feeling. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. Constitutional carry has become all the rage these days. Apparently, the mainstream media has gotten all over this term, and they're really misinterpreting what it means. And there's something that you need to know as a responsibly armed American. Constitutional carry simply allows you to carry a gun without a permit. That's it. It does not vacate your responsibility of what you're going to do with that gun. Remember, you are responsible for every action you take and certainly every round that comes out of that muzzle. And constitutional carry doesn't take that away. So when we're arguing with anti-gunners who are complaining that constitutional carry makes the world less safe, let's remind them that whether a state has constitutional carry or an over-the-top requirement for you to get your concealed carry permit, none of that takes away your responsibility when you're dealing with a firearm. You will be held accountable for your actions, as every responsibly armed American should be. So make sure you get the proper training and you know your laws so you're doing the right thing. I'm Kevin Michalowski, editor of Concealed Carry Magazine. 
Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Federal ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's Federal Ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal Ammunition, a century of innovation. And we're only getting started. Tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. And we're now on Rumble, so you can find us on the Rumble cam. Uh, but please like us and subscribe on all of the social media platforms, wherever you visit them. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio. Wherever the usual suspects of where you get your social media can be found so you'll find us there uh we're really happy right now to have on the line with us uh andrew arabito who is the founder i assume and ceo of uh, half face blades which is a phenomenal knife company uh they do some of the best work in the industry i've seen on these fixed blade and folding knives and some of their hatchets and stuff i've been i've become a real big fan and I'm really happy to ha- announce that we're going to be carrying some of these knives in our shop. So that's going to be awesome. You'll be able to get them at Cape Gunworks. But Andrew, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And, uh, you know, uh, I've, I got to meet you over this winter uh, at one of the fundraisers for a uh, charity event um, and one of the warrior conferences that you're a part of. And uh, got to know you a little bit, and we started talking shop and found out you make some pretty cool knives and, and uh, some of the stuff you did. But really, uh, before you were a knife maker, you are a U.S. Navy SEAL. And uh, do you mind telling everyone a little bit about that, what you used to do and what you're currently doing and where you're headed? Oh, man. Um, yeah, so Andrew Abito, I go by Beto, I go by Hey You, whatever <laughs> you want, you know. Um, since about... I guess mid to late, late 14 ish, I kind of started making knives. And it was something that I did when I was a young, young man. And I was a, a kid up in Northern California. I grew up, I had older brothers, real big in the outdoor industry, outdoor living, you know, uh, survival. We did backpacking, camping with my whole family, little outdoor family up there. Made knives when I was a kid. And then uh, fast forward, I, I wanted to be in the SEAL team since a, at a pretty young age, maybe sixth or seventh grade, and looked into it more in high school. A good buddy of mine uh, joined a year before me in the SEAL teams. Uh, I'd already done the paperwork, ready to go when 9-11 happened, so I knew at least when I did go to the SEAL teams, I was going to get to go to war. Mm. Uh, so out, out of high school, I went to the teams, went through BUDS, went through SEAL training, went to SEAL Team 5, did a few deployments there, went over to SEAL Team 1, did a deployment there. Then I ran uh, maritime operations, getting the guys in platoons ready to go overseas and, and go on missions and the maritime aspect of, uh, of what we do. After, uh, you know, 10, 11 years doing that, I had uh, to catch up on some injuries and had some pretty, pretty bad injuries uh, in training and overseas. And I punched out getting my 100% disability through the VA. I was kind of working in the movie industry a little bit toward the end of that and uh 
the first I got that and that was end of 2012 being at 13 kind of worked on can you hear me yeah no I hear you loud okay I'm sorry I was signaling okay, cool else. <laughs> uh, okay uh worked on some uh movie stuff up in LA and that just I don't, didn't really want to live in LA and I wanted to get back into hunting in the outdoors and decided hey you know I've been using knives since I was a young age and the outdoor aspect you know, camping, backpacking, and then use knives tactically in the uh, SEAL teams. And I like to cook and a lot of good chef buddies. So I was like, man, I should go back to my, you know, roots and being an end user, pretty much the best reason to go back and start beginning designing them and making them and started studying up on uh, grinders and heat treating and what's the best steel around and just went from there, started small under the awning in my backyard, uh, ended up you know, the first 50 knives ended up uh, just, we had a little plastic table in my living room and I was sticky note people's name on it and work on that knife till it was done and get it out to them. And, you know, I had a lot of uh, incredible support from friends and buddies. And I started social media, I had a little Facebook page, but Instagram just taking photos and videos of my learning process. And, you know, they're pretty rough, these first 50 knives, but they all very sought after for now. Um, once that kind of started growing, I hired my roommate, I hired my other buddy. We built a little shop in my backyard here in San Diego. The neighbors complained because it was out of specs. You know, it's California. They hate everything here. <laughs> so we tore it down. We went and got a little 900-square-foot space, you know, a few miles in the industrial park. A year later, moved into a 1,900-square-foot place. A year and a half later, moved into what we're now is 4,200-square-foot shop, and we've grown out of this as of about a year and a half ago. Mm. So we're here now. We've grown in, in uh, a lot of veterans working for us for everything from fixed blades to tomahawks, machetes, uh, folders, um, all designed really from an end user standpoint. Uh, we have an incredible team. I think there's about 33 of us wow. as of now, and we, we need more space and need more people. That's know? great. That's an awesome success story uh, of you know, doing what you love, right? And the passion you have for it shows through your work. I've you know, perused the website. The name of the company is Half Face Blades. Uh, if you want to check it out, uh, halffaceblades.com is the website, correct? Yeah. And uh, so they're, they're works of art. And you guys do a great job taking pictures of them and, you know, staging the photos very well. Uh, but the one that really got me the other day that I saw was that uh, – that short sword you guys raffled off the Wakasazi yeah. uh, sword, short sword. Tell everyone about that. That thing was just ridiculous. Well, I mean, so what we do is we take custom orders too, because we do so much sentimental stuff. You know, we've done uh, when people's dogs have died or working dogs have died, they send us their ashes. We inlay them in the handle. We've done, we've done, uh, you know, people that have died. We've inlaid human ashes and handles. Wow. We've done people's old, uh, like, uh, We've had we have some a uh, couple of brothers that perished in the twin towers during nine eleven. Mm. The other brother lived, and they sent us some of their turnouts. So we used their turnouts to create handles for the knives that they auctioned. Some went to the family, raised money for them. Um, kind of the holy grail of knives. And when we, when I first started, I wanted to be created myself using. We used bone and antler and wood, and really the first few years it was all custom work, and it was you know I. I didn't even have a website for, you know, two, two and a half years. It was just the way to get a hold of us was email. Like people would be like, Hey, do you think you do this? Can you inlay this rock? Can you inlay this kid's birthstone? Could you do this? And I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'll try. You know what I mean? I didn't have someone to taught me. I know 
you know, the design and what it lends itself in the steel and the thickness for it to be usable. Now I can get really creative with that and very personal and very custom with people. So the first couple of years we just brought on, you know, custom work. And then I was like, man, you know, we want to be creative too on our own. So why don't we do a website? We'll make what we want as well as take custom orders. Very cool. So I know you'd asked me about the source, so we're getting there. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, um, that's good. So we, we started taking these custom orders on and people started getting way more great. Like they wanted to get really wild and we, it, it started becoming extremely valuable too. Right. So we, we'd make um, some really extremely intricate, project and the way I would value it as like, you know, time working on it, obviously cost of water jet, cost of materials, you know, and then whatever percentage profit margin one coming back to the business. But then, you know, the secondary market, we'd see them sell for ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. And we'd be like, Oh, it was, it was 1500 bucks. We made it for and Now these people are making seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty thousand $20,000 sometimes on product. And I was like, Hey, Let's think about this. Let's, when we do really intricate stuff, we still take on a few projects like that. Now what we do is we, we have some of my main guys. We work on these projects that are just really phenomenal, really intricate pieces, and we either raffle them or auction them. That money comes back either one to the business, 10% goes back to the guys I have work on it, 20% goes to foundations. The rest of it goes in. We keep track of it, and it goes to, to bonuses and healthcare and goes right back to the guys and for that year. So like the sword is one of those really intricate pieces. So we used, um, there's a bone inside of a walrus dick. It's called an Usyk. So <laughs> I got these Usyks, you know, hard to find. You got to go kill a walrus. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we used Usyk and we used a real high-end piece of Hawaiian curly coat from the big island. And we took meteorite and water jet, these little octagons out of the meteorite, inlaid and crushed turquoise underneath that. And wow just letting my main guys and me get like really creative and take our time on some pieces like that and seeing that get out in the market. So that was that, that's a raindrop Damascus short Japanese short, 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 short sword. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that last piece. it was just incredible to see. I, yeah. I was blown away by it. And then you read it's the even details. better in person, man. It's oh, so bet. cool. I bet it's, it's cool. Great. Like we get so many emails back of, you know, the pictures are phenomenal as best we can do. Right. Really incredible. We have a guy here, uh, Matt Lingo. He's sitting next to me. Uh, he's an incredible photographer, videographer, editor. He's helps us out huge. You know, we used to do all the ph- photography just with our cell phones mm. and we were like, we got to get someone better than us with our cell phones. So he's here and, and, I mean, just visually, they're obviously appealing as well, but they're also, you get, we get emails all the time, like it's even better in person and mm. see, being able to see them up close and seeing the grains in the wood and how they're put together just so well. Um, uh, we obviously, we enjoy our job. Yeah, no, that's cool. And the, that's one of the things I, you know, in my other life, besides the gun shop that I run, I have a woodworking shop and that's been my career is woodworking uh and you know i've done that for my entire adult life as and all the way to when i was five years old so it was a passion of mine uh from when i was a kid till i went to trade school but i i appreciate the craftsmanship based on my knowledge of what it takes to get there when i see these projects and uh, so some of the knife handles you see you know there's bone and there's wood and there's 
uh, stone and there's other, you know, like in that meteorite, yeah, meteorite and everything else, ceratops horn and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that is impressive to me. Is it's not like you have just a handle of one type of material. It's all blended together and done well. And I'm like. I can appreciate that from a craftsman's perspective, yeah. you know, and and uh, the amount of work that goes into that to do it right and make it look good. Right. And so, yeah, and so, you know, speaking on doing it right, and one of those things is, uh, you know, making sure wood is stabilized. So there's snake wood and iron wood we don't stabilize. 99% of the other woods we use are all stabilized. They go in a vacuum chamber. You put wood stabilizing fluid into the vacuum pump on. It sucks all the air out, pulls all the juice in. You bake it, which it's interesting to me because I, I, I also, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a knife nerd, but I, I like my knives. I use them all the time. I, I take knives with me on trips and hunting, and I give them to the, you know, the guides or someone's kid, or, and, and it's cool to build these relationships. But I notice a lot of these companies don't stabilize their wood, and I'm like, well, it absorbs – you have, a, you have a hunting knife with a piece of wood on there that's it's not stabilized. Well, it's going to absorb water over time. It's going to crack and you get that knife back. And it's just kind of, you know, there's a lot of companies that make really incredible knives. There's not a lot of companies that are end users, mm. to be honest. You know, yeah. um, a lot of companies make strap knives. They don't cook. A lot of companies that make hunting knives and skinny knives, they don't hunt or skin animals. You know, it's really interesting. Thing. A lot of companies make tactical knives, and they've never been in the tactical industry. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, you can totally see it, and uh, you know that's one thing. Uh, number one, I can't wait to get my hands on some of these knives myself because I personally want them. Uh, so I'm bringing them into the shop for selfish reasons as well because I can't wait to get the chef knife set and you know the the hatchets and the and the knives itself. Yeah. I as a hunter, I'm with you. I have almost a cardboard box full of knives that I bought as a hunting knife that I would never use again. I'll never touch yeah. them again. I, and it's not because I'm too lazy to sharpen them. It's because they didn't work for me. They don't fit my hand. Yeah. In fact, there's many scars on my hands from, you know, field dressing right. a deer or skinning off. Them. Or, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of that is like too thick, like the thickness of the steel or, you know, skinning, you don't want to puncture into the abdomen and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, for caping a head, you know, off the skull, the, the, for skin off the skull, you want some little smile, a little nicer tip. And so it's, you know, being that end user has been the greatest gift and going back and hunting a lot, again, it's been the greatest gift to be able to design these knives. You know, the way steel, steel, people are always just trying to make better steel. So we went from like S35 DN, S45 DN, we're slowly switching almost everything over to MagnaCut, which is a really incredible steel. Um, you kind of give some things up to gain other things. So, you know, you want edge retention. You want the edge to stay sharp a long time. Well, once it gets dull, it's really hard to sharpen. So you have these little things you give up for another. One of the best things, you know, you want it corrosion resistant and you want right. to keep that, that sharp edge. So we kind of aim to, and what we do is we continually strive to, you know, make the designs better, make sure we're not only looking at the shape of the knife, the thickness, uh, is it hardened correctly? Um, you know, how can the end user also sharpen it, which is a tough thing. Like I said, you want edge retention and it to last, it's hard to sharpen. Mm. So we always keep up on what new steels are coming out and what the best steel and its use is going to be in that field, whether it's a, you know, tactical industry, you know, hunting, backpacking, camping, skinning, uh, or the chef 
chef industry. So this year we're kind of switching a lot of stuff over to that Magna Cut steel. A um, few more knife designs, you know, working, outsourcing a little bit here and there with companies to help us with folders. Mm. be nice to get a bigger shop, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, a lot, you know, I know this could lead to a whole other conversation, but um, the the name Half-Face Blades uh, has, I think, a, a special meaning to you, correct? If I'm not mistaken, it wasn't just chosen at random. Uh, and can you tell us a little bit about that, about the the story sure. of the company and the, the, um, the story of the name? Yeah, I mean, so in Afghanistan, my last deployment, I mean, keeping it simple, um, I used to paint my face half black. We had horses. Uh, we'd go on, on ops with horses, so I'd paint my face half black and ride out on a, a few ops like that. If you can't kill them, you can hear them, you know what I mean, <laughs> all the time. Uh, that, and, you know, it kind of goes along with the idea, like speak softly and carry a big stick. Right. You know, there's always another half half to somebody. That, you know, not a bad half, just a half that you got to get to know if you know someone personally. Sure. And so, uh, you know, the I've seen some pictures of you on deployment there, and there's no doubt it's it would leave a a, a mark on your <laughs> on your memory if you see lasting that right impression. <laughs> yeah, create a lasting impression. But even uh, I think you even got the idea from the uh, was it the Black Hawk or the some tribal you know Indian Native Americans? Yeah, I mean, there's multiple. If you look back in history and you look at how uh, different Native American. Uh, well, the culture is one in general, but Native American groups, whether the Crow Indians and and uh, Crow Nation and the different groups in there, how people would paint their face, how they paint their horses uh, for different reasons. And they would mark their horses certain ways. They would mark their faces certain ways to be hidden and unseen and invincible. And there's all these cool, cool little things. So, you know, I, it wasn't specifically on a certain uh, Native American um, culture or indigenous culture. It was just a matter of painting your face. And guys were doing it back in World War. Uh, pirates were doing it. Airborne guys were doing it. Mm. Um, it's been something that's been in, that grown into different cultures like that for a long time. Look at, you know, you know, Fijian, Hawaiian, New Zealand, you know, Islander culture, the tattooing. Sure. It's all part of, a part of why I did that. Cool. No, it's a great story. And uh, uh, I think that uh, it pays homage to people who have gone before and, you know, for whatever reason in their culture, they did that, whether it be to go to war or war paint or it's like, it's an ode, you know, it's like, it's like, Hey, we're still doing this. It's like combining an old warrior and a new warrior, Mm. you know, think about old technology, new technology and combining it all. Um, You know, that culture was protecting their people. And and, uh, I like to do that too. Yeah, well, thank you very much for doing that, by the way. I, I am a guy who did not serve in any capacity. It, it wasn't for uh, lack of willingness. It was more for health reasons. They wouldn't take me. So, And you mentioned yeah. September 11th. I was right after September 11th is when I went knocking on some doors. And uh, my wife was, you know, a nervous wreck that I'd end up in war. But I, uh, I you know, there was no chance I was ever going to get there. But um, no. the, the bottom line is... You know, for those of us who've never really been in the military or served, uh, certainly have we live vicariously a little bit through what we see in the you know the media or the camera or the movie or the books we read or whatever or the people we meet, and uh, we see uh, these men who've gone out and done and women who've gone out and done the the things that need to be done in the world. 
to, and it's a thankless job in a lot of ways. And it's a job that, you know, many people don't ever return from. And so, you know, as an American, I, I have the utmost respect. Uh, uh, my grandfather was in the Marines in Guadalcanal in World War II and the first Marines and stuff. And so, you know, my heart goes out to anyone who served and, and done that. And, uh, I appreciate what you, you guys did sacrifice and have done and, and continue to sacrifice. And that's, I think, a lot of the, the work that you do now supports the guys who are still paying a price in a lot of ways from, you know, the, yeah. the war efforts that they've been a part of. And I know you're, yeah. you're fully tied into those groups and, and whatnot. But, I, I, you know, I don't have that, that side of my life that uh, connects to guys from – the standpoint of being in war together, you know, and that whole warrior mindset. Uh, I'd like to think I would have been able to perform in that situation, but it's a, you know, there's a certain mentality type and a patriotic pride type and a very protective type of of being, you know, whether they join the military or not, it's a very certain type of individual. There's a lot of people that that, that type personality and that type individual that, you know, from law enforcement to regular men that protect their families and view this country the same way and love this country and would do their best by it mm-hmm. and those they love. Yeah. Some of us are, uh, you know, and I don't think there's any shame in it. Uh, I mentioned in the first hour of the show or in a pri- prior show, actually, um, you know, people who, uh, carry a gun, obviously we're a second amendment pro second amendment show and, uh, none of us carry a gun s- and we put it on and say, oh, hope today's the day I get to use it. Like, that's ridiculous where we carry the gun and hope we never need to use it, but we're willing to if we need to protect our, our family, our friends, our loved ones, our neighbors, our community. I our, mean, you know. how many, how many, you know, I think about it this way too, though, you know, you're like, hey, I hope I don't need to use it. But if you have the capability and you have the knowledge on how, how many times uh, innocent people taking advantage of all over the United States and you see it and you hear it in the news every day. And sometimes actually I'm like, man, how nice would it have been if I could have been there? How nice would have been if somebody who had, who had a weapon, who knew how to use it, who could judge, you know, uh, level force would have been there to protect these innocent people who don't know. Right. So I don't, you know, I, I get, I get the idea where you're like, you, you carry a weapon and you're like, well, I hope I don't have to use it. But I also think like, you know, if, maybe your responsibility. If you want to take the responsibility to carry a weapon, obviously take the responsibility and know how to use it, understand your surroundings, situation awareness, train with that weapon. And also then be really, really okay. And I don't know if personally I would, I'd be like, Hey, you know, Lord send me maybe like, Hmm. maybe I wake up in the morning and I put my gun inside my waistband and I say, Hey, you know, if someone's going to be taking advantage and hurting other people today, I hope I'm in a position where I can help help save individuals. Yeah, no, you bring up a great point, And that is once upon a time, there was a time in my life where it wasn't a reckless uh, day in my life, but it was a time when, you know, as a Christian man, I felt secure in my eternal security. And I felt like, Hey, I would rather be the person to, to die than, than some guy who's not ready to die. You know what I mean? But then as I got older and had a family and a wife and kids, now all of a sudden my paradigm shifted and said, no, my kids, you know, are deserve to have their father come home from work. My wife deserves to have a husband and my family deserves to have, you know, 
and so protection and yeah exactly father and love right yeah right and so i had this major paradigm shift where i was like no you know what if and like you said if there is a situation like especially uh the one that really hurts the most for me is every time i read about a school shooting or a you know mass shooting in public or something i i I totally agree with you i'm like this could have been prevented or it, could, or it could have been mitigated, maybe not entirely right. prevented, but right. certainly loss could have been could have mitigated. Been yes, at some point during the process, hundred percent. And uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to have that conversation, but frankly, in a world where evil exists, that is the place and the time where violence solves problems. You know, correct. Where somebody with a CCW um, and who knows, because there's plenty of people that can carry that have no clue what they're doing. Sadly. Right. Um, should be able to stop something like that yeah. and take them risk. You want to run around with a gun and learn how to use it and take the responsibility on that. Having that, having the gun, isn't just the responsibility of having the gun, having the gun is a responsibility to use it properly. And it may happen and be able to be like, go take a class on. I mean, obviously you should know how to use the gun, but then go take another class. I don't know. There's plenty of training, everything out there to be like, Hey, in this situation, this is what you should do. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the responsibility. Exactly. That's the real responsibility. It's not, I own a gun, you know, I, and I have a CCW and carry in public because I just like to go to range and shoot. You're going to go carry in public because something bad might happen in public. Right. You're not going to walk into Walmart and now there's a range to your right and you pull your gun out and shoot. <laughs> the whole point of that CCW and the carry and the daily carry is self-protection, the protection of those around you that are innocent and right. they need it. So take that responsibility on, you know what I mean? If you want to go get your CCW and go carry or if you don't have a CCW, some states you don't obviously need it, but going to run around with a gun that's a big responsibility yeah using it when it's needed you're preaching in the choir there and that's another major paradigm shift i had where uh i actually carried a gun for 15 years before i took my first uh class on how to efficiently use a weapon in a defensive situation and i thought because i was safe with a gun. I could carry a gun. I could get to the range. I could take it out of the holster. I could point it at targets, fire shots, reload, and put it back in the holster without injuring anybody. And I could do that in a fairly coordinated way. I thought I was all set and I was good. But when I took that first class, I was like, I am the biggest idiot on the planet because I walked around for 15 years with this mentality. And it wasn't until I took a couple of classes and realized... There's a much more efficient way and a way that works well with what my body's going to do naturally under stress if I need to use it in the worst case scenario. When you should, how you should, how to move, when to shoot, when you shouldn't shoot. Like these are all when to go after somebody, when not. Like these are all things to think about that you can actually learn in certain courses. You know, I'm in California. I went and did my CCW and I got it. And I was like, I was distraught at the end of that CCW course and some of the people they let. Yeah. Like, I mean, this dude, like he had his gun and he went to put his head, like shift his head on with his Glock finger on the trigger. And he's doing this. With oh his, and gosh. I was like, dude. And he's like, you know, right here is guns to the side of his head, fixing his ear pro. And I was like, that dude passed. Ugh. And I passed. I was just like, and I, you know, I talked to instructors afterwards. I was like, what the, I was like, I was like, you two dudes don't deserve to have this, this CCW. You guys, on your own, on your own honor, you should deny yourself getting this and go take some courses. And you know, they say before it, they're like, "Hey, we recommend that you go do some shooting courses." It's a recommendation. I think one of the 
I personally believe, and I talked to the instructors about this, like, how about this for California CCW? Require. This will make the state more money. How about that? Because they can, these these schools and the shooting schools are going to make money, which are going to get taxed out the ass like California does. Require them to do a four-hour course. That's it. With whatever weapon, you know, they're going to be doing it. Not just the CCW course. Because yeah. it's the most, you know, three, five, and seven-foot shoot center mass. It's so easy. It's insane. Hold that thought, Andrew. That's a great thought. Yeah. I want to dive into this more on the other side of the break. You're okay. listening uh, to Rapid Fire Standby. We got plenty more with Andrew Arabito from Half Face Blades. And uh, so, standby. We'll be right back. I'm Toby Leary. The firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we've been talking with Andrew Arabito of Half Face Blades, and we just got into some uh, conversation that's very near and dear to my heart, uh, which is firearms training and responsibility, personal responsibility. Uh, And along the lines of what you were just saying before the break is we actually say in our concealed carry class... It's a four-hour class, and we have certain things the state requires us. We're very similar in Massachusetts to California, so uh, we're cut from the same cloth. But yeah. we actually say in our in our class, this is the how-to-get-your-license class. This does not make you capable of carrying a gun out there in the real world. This makes you legally able to go get your license to carry so that you can put it in your wallet. We, we say, after this, go take the how to shoot my gun efficiently if I ever need to class, which is different from the uh, fun with a gun class, you know, or is the... Is it required, though? It is not. actually carry? That's, that's the problem right there. Well, I, I know, I understand the sentiment of that. However, you know, as a true staunch to a supporter i believe in everybody's right to keep and bear arms and that means bear outside the home but i think it's our responsibility why do a class at all well i i agree i don't believe we should have to i don't believe we should be mandated to have to but i'm dealing with the cards i've been dealt uh, i'm i'm playing with the cards i've been dealt so we have to in order to even buy a gun or own a gun in this state um i would much rather it be a concealed uh i mean a constitutional carry throughout the country but i feel that the industry 
needs to do a much better job to put the responsibility of a class upon gun owners. Okay, so then then what you do is you, you would have to do this. You would have to make, if you screwed up at all when you did use it, they'd have to make some type of horrible punishment under your constitutional carry, right? Mm. To make you feel that, hey, maybe I should go take a class so I'm efficient at it. Do you know what I mean? Unfortunately, they're not going to do that. So the thing is, I believe in, uh, fine, let's say a constitutional carry. Well, what's the, you can constitutionally carry, there's got to be a way to get people more efficient because people are like, oh, I want to carry a gun. Okay, I'll just take my CCW. Oh, now I can, now I can carry a gun. These people, half the people in that class, if they're in a situation where they had to pull their gun, they're going to shoot, they're going to injure the person. They're going to shoot other people. They might shoot themselves. They wouldn't know what to do afterwards. Right. Like, I, I'd be like, I'm more likely <laughs> to use a damn knife than my gun. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I, somebody... I understand 100%, and I agree with you. And I say, the... and I agree because I lived it. You know what I mean? Like, when I first took that class, the dawn rose on my marble head, you know, that I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe yeah, you, it. I thought you I was had... Like, you were already into guns and stuff. You have, yeah. There was guys in this class that it might have been the first time they picked a gun up. Right. They went and bought one, passed all the stuff, fine. How about, I don't know, you know, the other the other thing I always think about is this, like, you want to be, you, people attack the gun, you know, like, make it harder to get guns, all this stuff. Okay, well, maybe make it more, make the person more efficient, the owner more efficient of the weapon, right? So how about every every new pistol you buy, and this is a way for, for you know, both parties to win, whether the state is, is creating this, um, they want money in which every state wants their money out of, you know, the consumer or the person wanting to carry or whatever. You know, how about every pistol you buy, you pay, you know, 150 bucks to do just show your proficiency at mag changing, breaking it down, putting it back together. Like I said, unloading it, loading it, something, something. Right. It, and people who know will be able to knock it out, do it. They're going to complain. Provides, you know, a little money for the gun shop and money going back to the state. And that person is a, a little more proficient. You know, they're a little more proficient, something. So, you know what I mean? So you either, you either punish people in the end, really gnarly for screwing up or you make it, more efficient. No, it's not making it harder by requiring somebody to show their efficiency in a new pistol they buy. Right. Uh, my only problem with that is the uh, government mandate part. I the right to bear the right, right to bear. Right. So, so but I totally agree with you that if I decide I want to carry a gun out there in the real world, then yeah. I owe it to myself and to you society. You owe it to those around you. You yes. owe it to the bad dude to, <laughs> right. be able to kill him, not maim him. <laughs> right. Right. I owe it to society. I owe it to planet Earth. To You're be, better off killing that dude than maiming him in the long right. run when it goes to court. Definitely. Um, the, you know, you could get down a rabbit hole about that. But the point is, um, I think that, you know, I owe it to the people around me, my society, my Correct. community, to be Correct. proficient with that gun. Correct. And not just be able to shoot it like I, I did for 15 years. I, I was a gun enthusiast and was able to shoot guns. It was cool. Yeah. But then I realized... Those marksmanship paradigms that I had that were good at hitting bullseyes on target don't translate into the real world under stress with people shooting back or, you know, uh, trying to stay sure. alive the whole time. There's a sure. whole nother world that opened up to me and it, it 
caused a major deep dive, but it also caused me to become an instructor, number one. But number two, this journey uh, and advocate of, dude, you carry a gun in this world and you've never taken a concealed carry class or a defensive pistol class or a two-person armed defense or armed defense around a vehicle. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to learn, I don't know why they don't teach, um, you know, EMT courses, some form of an EMT course in high school to every single, you have all these other classes that are absolutely worthless and we can't do, you know, one semester in high school or six months, you know, half a year in high school of just learning how to save someone's life. Stop right. bleeding! Like what? What in the world? I know, and that's crazy. They don't teach a, a semester of medical training in high school. You're a hundred percent right on that, and that's something else that you know. People who carry a gun and and walk around in the world with a loaded firearm, a lot of those people will never even dream of taking a stop the bleed or a. That's CPR. crazy. Yeah, I know, and it's like you have more. Gonna, of you a, might get shot, <laughs> and you're <laughs> you probably your bleeding at least. Right, you're probably more likely to need your medical kit than your gun. Yeah, in yeah. in the world we live Absolutely. in, you know. any day of the week. Yeah, you, you're on a jog in a car accident. You know, like you're definitely if there's some time of mass shooting and you shop, you stop a shooter, you're going to need some tourniquets for the people who shot. You're going to need some. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah, and I don't know. It's people. I don't know if they want to know the bare minimum. They just want to learn the bare minimum. But you want the. You know what people want the most. You want to like have the most, but give the most minimal effort to get it. And you're like, dude, you want that responsibility. There's a whole lot more to it. My buddy actually spoke at the NRA conference and he said, how many in here own more than six guns? And everybody raised their hand. Every single person. And he goes, how many of you have taken a defensive firearms course outside of what the state requires you to have a EDC or a, a uh, CCW, you know, yeah. CCW, and you know now maybe like I don't know quarter. a quarter of the play, you know, twenty percent raised their hands. He goes, okay, those twenty percent, you're you know you're the sheepdog, whatever you want to call yourself. You you carry a gun in the real world and to protect yourself or others. The rest of you are gun collectors, and sure. there's nothing wrong with that. Like you can be a gun collector. That's cool. Sure. It's a fun sport. It's a fun hobby. A fun activity. But think about when you're going to use it. What What are the questions? Right. If you got to yeah. use your pistol, what's the next question? Next question. What do I do next? Right. How do I save the individual? How do I save myself? Yeah. There's a lot you that know, goes into it. multiple shooters. It's a lot that goes into it, and uh, that's a. It's a continuing education. It's a lifelong. Correct. A lifelong. Uh, you know, education of perishable yeah. skill. And, and you can't say I took one class back in 1991, so I'm good. And well, you know, right. there's a whole lot of information that's come to light since 1991. You know, <laughs> we're not yeah. fighting wars the same way we did in Vietnam. We're also yeah. not, you know, uh, there's technology that's advanced. There's uh, knowledge of, with the advent of cell phone cameras and and dash cams and body cameras, we know how people respond to being shot. And, you know, I mean, there was a, there was a time and a place where people were like, all you need is 145 and the big toe and the guy goes down, you know. It's, like, it's so funny you say that because one of the guys, there was an older fellow there, and he was like, he had an old 1911 and he had a, he had a revolver, like an old six-year revolver. And I was like, <laughs> and the instructor's like, you're going to carry that? But you can put anything on your roster, your right. CCO roster. And it, I mean, it, he didn't deserve to be a CCW. Like I was helping the guy figure out how to shoot it. Like he could barely carry. It. He was, 
you know, holding it like this, you know what I mean? And I was just like, what, what do I know? I, I wasn't an instructor. I was a student, but I was like, I, I got on the instructors afterwards. I was like, what the f are you guys doing? Like these, are, if this guy goes out in three weeks, gets as a CCW, he needs to use his gun. He shoots three people behind the guy. The guy is injured in the leg. You know, they're going to be like, who the hell gave you the CCW? Are they, is the CCW? I was like, do you guys get in trouble at all for letting someone pass that shouldn't? And they're like, well, no, because it's their right. They could take a CCW course and get it. You know, we tell people over and over, go take a class, learn how to use it proficiently. And I was like, the dude's not going to, the dude's not going to be, he's carrying a, you know, 10 inch, 12 inch revolver. You know, I'm like, <laughs> he's got the bunt line special, the Colt single he action. In, you know, he lives here in San Diego. It's not like he's on his ranch out in, you know, an hour out in Ramona, just riding around his ranch on a side-by-side. So this pistol on him i can see that okay but if he's on his own property and he's got a ranch you can be carrying that anyway yeah like no one's giving him crap anyway it was it was crazy i was just like this is this is nuts yeah <laughs> it comes back i believe to the responsibility of us as an industry to really uh you know put the burden on people who are uh, and uh, honestly i think one of the most refreshing things in the last two years since COVID with this huge, you know, there's estimates of 15 million new gun owners in America. And in our area, we've had tons of new gun owners that have come in. And I will say that this crop of gun owners, as far as it relates to us in our, in our area, comes in, especially with our facility that's really geared towards instruction, have come in. And they're not like, they don't have presuppositions where like, oh, I saw a diehard, I'm good, I know how to shoot. Uh, they come in and they're like, I don't know a thing about guns. I've never even thought about owning one, but I want to own a gun. And it's like, okay, cool. So this is what you do. You get your license, you start taking classes, you do some private lessons, you do some group classes, you learn your how to safely and efficiently use the gun in a defensive situation in the worst case scenario. If you're telling me you want it for defensive purposes, that is what you do. And they're like, sign me up. I'm ready, yeah. you know, and, and that's that's been cool. I've also had people in our classes where they are the guys you just described. I've had a guy in, in one of my all-day intuitive defensive shooting classes that um, I, I had to send home. I said, you know what? You are not safe. You're not making the world a better place by carrying a gun outside of yeah. your home. You're making it a worse place because you're going to seriously injure yourself or somebody else. Yeah. So you need to, A, just take private lessons with a very knowledgeable person until you can get coordinated and proficient enough to, to operate that firearm. <laughs> but right. you know, that you have all the, you have a large group of, you know, because of the Navy SEALs and special operations, special forces with their gear and their, you know, all the cool guy gear and their ARs, you have this huge culture that has come out from video game to the real deal guys, operators, this massive culture is out there of even you know, guys who were in the military but didn't get to do, you know, special operations to every other guy who's pro Second Amendment or, you know, that was whatever, it's a military simulation or whatever. They can go buy Gucci gear and they go buy their Glock and they buy all the Gucciest gear, spend their last paycheck, you know, on all the stuff and they dress like they're an operator, dress them like Navy SEALs and go shooting at the range, which is, is great. And hopefully they learn how to use it all. And generally, you know, I'm like, okay, go do that. You know, 
everybody should know you're a wannabe, but go learn your proficiency and be good at it in case it's needed one day. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that, that's an interesting culture that's very big right now. Yeah. I would say that the the culture in our area isn't so much that like tactical as much as it is, uh, you know, just they want a good everyday carry gun. They might get a couple other guns and, you know, sure. but they're, they're putting in the work, they're practicing with it. But sure. I don't know if that's a, a, a result of the culture we've created at our shop. Sure. This is more like a younger 20 to 30 some real culture. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, you go to shot show and it, yeah. yeah. Now, speaking of that, uh, walk us through real quick in the last few minutes here. Um, I know like when I read uh, Rogue Warrior, you know, Richard Marcinko and all that, and, you know, they talked about SEAL training and BUDS and all this and the, a lot of yeah. the training that SEAL Team 6 did. That You know, he had the revolvers and you had to hit this 3 by 5 index card and all that stuff. How much training you guys do like before – going out on deployment you saying yeah you it's must non-stop. be it's just non-stop right it's, it's incredible and, yeah and you're not just doing you know you're not you're not just doing shooting you're right you're doing long gun you're doing your pistol you're doing movement you're doing iads you're doing it as a group you're doing it with you know uh, 25 plus people getting picked up at helicopters in the middle of the night and breaking off your groups and sending guys ahead and sniper overwatch and your different elements and uh, you know ops and it's like your first day one is learning how to shoot your pistol, then learning how to shoot rifle, then learning, you know, how to move, then learning how to transition. And, like, it's such a long growth process. And then we do shooter. We bring in guest uh, shooters from the outside to help just get guys really proficient in shooting. Like, and, and then that's just now you're, you're just talking about, you know, your, your secondary and your primary. How about now you guys in your group carrying a 60 and guys carrying a saw, mm. you know what I mean, guys carrying 40 mic mics and right. just – I mean, it is nonstop training, and you're doing driving training, and off-road driving training, night vision. Everything you're doing the day, you're doing everything, every single thing at night. So all your normal shooting, you would see people do that you would go to the range to do. You'd all at night as well. Mm. And you're moving and shooting with each other at night. Right. So it's like, it's extremely in-depth. It's awesome. It you know, and you're doing all your shooting at Land Warfare, and you're doing all the, you know, you're shooting all live in CQC, CQB, in, in a house, two-story houses, whether you're doing different scenarios, whether it's hostage rescue, whether it's just bad dudes in the house fighting back, whether it's, uh, you know, barricaded doors, barricaded entry, you know, breacher school, you're using, you know, a saw to cut doors straight above you to get up through, like, let's say, you know, steel hatch to get in, get in somewhere. So it's, right. you know, and if you can't get in, if there's too many bad guys, you can always just pull off target, call them on loudspeaker, get out here or just bomb it. Yeah. And what, you know, is really big. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, I I appreciate the fact that, you know, you guys do that level of training for, for what you have to do. It's obviously 100% necessary. And, and uh, you know, the good news for us, Joe, civilian who carries his everyday carry gun, uh, it's most likely that we're going to have a single attacker, uh, and we're gonna have to fire a, a multiple shot string of fire to the high center chest. Like that's what ninety five percent of all defensive yeah. shootings is. So uh, we talk about this in our you know classes about the plausibility principle of what's most likely to happen. Spend your training dollars on that. As much as I'd love to go fast rope in the desert and shoot machine guns, right. yeah. uh, no one's calling me when the crap hits the fan to go saddle right. up. You know, right. <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. So right. I need to learn the most 
likely thing right. to ever happen. Be the most you know. efficient and and what your surroundings are, are most likely can can afford or what most likely what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, whether you, you know, I carry, I, when I go to the theaters, I always carry, you right. know, and I sit in certain areas at restaurants. Huh. Uh, when I go on certain, you know, trips, I carry just for the likelihood of something happening, you know, be yeah. Just know your surroundings. You know what I mean. Right. Know what you get out. Be the better you can be, the better those around you, you know, are. You're more safe. You're more safe. Your family's more safe. All good people. People should carry, and they should be proficient at it. Yeah, one of the most the things I think that comes out of all, most of the training we do is the more trained you get, the less likely you probably are to actually need it to use it in a public space around us. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just mentioned be aware of your surroundings. So if you have situational awareness or you are aware of your surroundings and or you're carrying so therefore you don't go to certain spots in the in town that you know are bad. So you know, you'd be more likely to use it. You go about your business and your life with your friends and your family and and because you're you're aware of what's going on, you're probably less likely to end up in a situation where you might need to fight your way out of, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's funny too, because sometimes I think about like, you know, I'll go left and then head home and I'll be like, Oh, I'm not going to make dinner. I'm just going to run over and there's some amazing, you know, Mexican food spots here in San, uh, San Diego. And sometimes I go hop in my truck just to run, you know, across the highway, to this little spot. And then I'm like, I always think like, Am I going to need my weapon? Well, the moment, if I don't think about it, I just go, if I ever think, am I going to need it? I'll go, I'll make myself go back in and get it. You right. know what I mean? Because it's almost like that knock on wood, like, yeah. oh, of course I said it and it happened. You know what I mean? So I'm always like, all right, just make sure you care. If ever I think about it, you know, and I, you know, I, I carry, I have, you know, I have, I have one at my work, I have them at home and then I carry the one that I'm going to use, you know. Yeah. So obviously that's a way of life for you. You do some of the passions of what you love, like knife making, creative uh, spaces. And then you're also a outdoorsman and hunter. And I saw one of your videos yeah. from Christensen Rifles, great rifles, by the way. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm doing an ambassadorship for them uh, again this year. I'll be hunting this month with uh, Eddie Gallagher. Nice. Uh, it's a high fence hunt with some other people. And then I'll be hunting. I hunt and I fish a lot. I'll be spearfishing in, uh, I think, Berea this year. I'll try to do Bahamas spearfishing. I'll try to hit Alaska again. I'll go bow. I mainly bow hunt, but I hunt with Christensen, and, and at times I don't hunt with that. Um, I work on, I've been on working on Avatar, too, since 2017. So did the military advising for that, did stunts, and then I play a role as uh, one of the bad 10-foot-tall blue avatars that looks like me. To <laughs> go watch the movie. It's fun. kind of fun working with Jim Cameron and the guy Garrett Warren, the stunt director. It's a lot of fun. That's great. I was going to ask you about that. Like, is it all it's cracked up to be is, is, uh, you know, the acting or Hollywood, is it fun? Is it, you know, just a long day? You know, there's some great people up there and then the rest aren't, you know, and then it's, uh, I've met some really incredible people, built some really incredible friendships. I just want to live in LA. I'm in San Diego. I love the fishing here is good. The weather's obviously good. I'd rather not be in California. I want to move my business. We'll see what this recession holds for us. We're going to hunker down to work our butts off here. Mm. Um, continue to grow the business, grow relationships, friendships. I'll work up there. Uh, if I can make a few few movies better with a few of my buddies that work up there full time, I'll, I'll do that. That's cool. But uh, really the biggest goal is to spend my time outdoors and grow the business, provide jobs and, you so, know. 
It's a worthy endeavor, brother, and uh, I appreciate you doing it. And uh, we're in the similar situation. I'd rather not live in Massachusetts, but it, it, it provides a, a good venue for me to, you know, provide for others and, and my family and a job. And and uh, I wish I lived in a free state personally, but I'm kind of got deep yeah. roots. Deep roots. I wish here. Texas had mountains and wild <laughs> elk and rivers I could go fly fishing in and stuff. Yeah. You know, San Diego is gorgeous. I love San Diego. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But I hear you. There's like where I live on Cape Cod is pretty beautiful two months out of the year or maybe less depending on if there's rain involved but uh, it's uh it's still i'm a lucky man to live here i'm not complaining uh but yeah um i haven't been on an elk hunt in a while i'm gonna have to spin one of those up again uh you know we have a lot of deer around here but uh elk hunt is something i want to i want to tag out one i haven't yet but uh my I'm from Colorado. If you go back to when I was one and a half, my dad lives out there. So, uh, I got to get out there and shoot a nice bull one of these days, but, uh, I haven't even started applying, but, uh, I like elk meat. That's, that's one of the main motivators on that. But anyway, uh, did we lose him? Oh, there he is. He's back. All right, cool. Uh, Sorry about that. It's the weather in Northern California must be affecting us all the way down here. It's the, uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's the grounding of all the planes must be affecting us. Yeah, right. Um, Thanks, Biden. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess uh, maybe he should uh, look into a new transportation secretary. I, th- I think uh, if anyone deserves to be fired, it's uh, it's oh, him. Man. But, um, you put that list. There's a big list. He might still be out on paternal uh, paternity oh, wow. leave or something. His husband. Know. His husband is having another baby. That's great. <laughs> Oh man, you could go all day on that <laughs> that whole topic. But anyway, uh, Andrew, I've really in, enjoyed our talk today. And uh, why don't you tell people like where to find your knives, where to find your work, some of the stuff you're involved in, if you want to mention any okay. of the any of the charities you support, et cetera. And, and uh, sure. yeah, tell people where they can find your stuff. I'm like, uh, well, Half Face Blade, so my main main business and. Uh, I have an incredible team here. It's just halffaceblades.com. We do custom orders, so we have a pretty gnarly wait list. You can always email info at halffaceblades.com to contact us. Or what we do is we work all week on on new knives. Uh, we put them up every Saturday at 12 p.m. Pacific time, and then throughout that week, we should have stuff up on the website for you, custom engraving. Outside that, I grew up up in Napa Valley, and I started a wine label with a buddy of mine. He was an army officer for years. He's my winemaker. That's called Warpaw wine so Very it's cool. warpod.com is is that there's only two wines up there now i'll have a pinot noir come this fall my cab will be about two years till i release a cab so that's a small side project really incredible wine from up there walking the vineyards getting those contracts with uh friends up there in the valley that's great um, yeah i have another couple i have a ammo company out of vegas with my best friend who's also a teammate of mine ryan bates it's called canoe club usa uh dot com canoe club usa.com it's like we uh some of the best lowest prices in the country for okay. sure and we can ship most places massachusetts we gotta do ffl uh california ffl a few other states we have to ship to ffl mm-hmm. but outside of that we can ups it right to your door very That's cool the other one um we'll have to look into that uh, as a yeah, sidebar i mean charities wise there's so many incredible you know before foundation to uh american warrior association to where i got my dog was a warrior's choice foundation i have a pretty incredible mal mm-hmm. malinois here it's been one of my best friends through ups and downs uh there's a warfighter scuba is a really good one um i've got a good buddy team guy 
works with them. Uh, shoot. I, what I try to do on the halfbasedplace.com is I go to affiliates and I'm kind of working on adding more there uh, under affiliates and different foundations that I really love and I really trust and I really support because I see where the money goes and the work that's being done. Uh, Tier 1 Outdoors, uh, Operation Pay It Forward is another one. Um, hunt, uh, hunting for Healing. There's so many good ones. Outside that, within affiliates, different companies that I'm affiliated with, like uh, Christians in Arms, uh, Protect is a company that does uh, like drink additives that are really good, zinc, stuff like that. Cool. Anyway, let's say affiliates. That's awesome, man. Go to halffaceblades.com. You can find all that good stuff. Uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. We're going to have to do this again. I can't yeah. wait to get your knives in shop. And uh, thanks so much for doing it, bud. Absolutely. It's appreciate an honor. It. All right, and uh, thank you for tuning in. And remember, this show ends here, but you can always tune in at rapidfireradio.us. You can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. Keep up the good fight, support your local community, and be an advocate for responsible gun ownership. And together as Americans, we can overcome anything. I'm Toby Leary. God bless. We will see you next time.